Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Twins Podcast. Yeah. Got a great conversation with Patrick Bad Day. Before we get to that, we got to pay the bills. This episode is fueled by Optimal Human. This episode is fueled by Optimal Human. Yeah. Tell the good stuff about it, kid. It's complete nutrition in one drink. All your fruits and veggies for gut health, yeah. brain health. It's got some probiotics in it, some yeah. antibiotics. All natural. And the best thing about it, it's American made. And it's sweetened. Not with that, uh, what do you call it? I already told him that. It's all natural. Aspartame, Steve. whatever you call it. I told him that. It's it's sweetened with stevia. All natural. Just I already just, told him that. What I'm telling him again. Yeah. Let's get to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the Twins Podcast. We got a great guest. Only the best guest here. Yeah, we only bring the best. Only the best. Only the best. Patrick Bet David. My man. My hey, man. How you guys doing? Doing, doing good. good. How about you? I'm doing good. It's good. Yeah. Hey, did, did, when I hear your name, does it did, does it have a meaning behind it? When it's, yeah, when it's so it's that, the house of David. So if it was Ben, it's the son of David, but in Assyrian, Bet Beta, house, house of David. Bet hmm. David. Oh, okay. I mean, that's deep. That's, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> the house of David. Yeah. The house of David. Biblical. See, we're horrible Christians. <laughs> I think all of us well, are. We're all, we're yeah. all trying. Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian. I'm just, yeah. If you meet them, they walk on water. I haven't met them yet. Right. Yeah. right. It hasn't right. happened yet. The event hasn't happened yet. Or yeah. else did I miss it? Did the guy show up yet or not <laughs> I don't yet? think so. He hasn't shown up? We've been waiting, waiting on him. We've been waiting for a couple Because things are really years. fucked up. You know that, right? <laughs> could happen he's today. He's supposed to be coming back. <laughs> it could happen today the way America is right now. Yeah, I don't know what he's waiting on. He's waiting for the perfect time because they say God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we want to talk uh, a lot about your life. You've had an amazing life. Yeah. I mean, you're the epitome the American dream. Yeah. Well, I, me and Keith was going over your bio. I was like, hell, man, this guy's life is almost good as ours. <laughs> you hang in there. You'll get there one day. That's <laughs> amazing what you've, how far you've came. Yeah. Um, let's start when you fled Iran. I want to say Iran for some reason. What's the correct pronunciation I on think that? Iran is the, is the way to say it. That's what You're I was right. telling you. I thought it was Iran. No, that's the nigga way of saying it. It's actually Iran. 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 How do you say it? Iran. Iran. See? As Kojo has, he has Iran has them. Iran. So Persians would say Iran. 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 But language. Americans say Iran. You yeah. know, it's, uh, where are you from? I'm from Iran. You know, but. That's like the, with white people with their Arabs. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They don't say it right. So yeah. I've been mispronouncing that my whole life. Is Iran. It's Iran. Iran. You said it right. Iran. I, yeah. I, I can roll my R's. He can't do that. <laughs> he yeah. can roll his R's. Okay. Iran. <laughs> you didn't roll it. Iran. Iran. That sounds masculine as shit. <laughs> How about me? Iran. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Iran. So uh, tell us a, a bit about that. You, you, Your whole family, y'all fled Iran. Yes. And, I mean, why did you flee? So we lived there. Uh, I'm born 1978. And October 1878, revolution happens. It's the peak of the revolution. Three months later, Shah's in exile. He leaves. And then he dies a couple years later. But we're there. Khomeini takes over. He changes everything, kills off a bunch of the generals. Anybody that was part of the Shah's regime, they escaped. They went and hid. Uh, a lot of his Savak members were hiding all over the world. They killed a bunch of Savak guys. They killed a bunch of different religions that they didn't support, and we lived there. We stayed there from 78 till 89. 
some of the family was hopeful that something good would happen. The right time probably to leave Iran was 76. 76 was the year. We left 89. Now so I went to school till fifth grade in Iran. Yeah, you're fleeing people. Uh, who was persecuting you? Was What faith was they? Oh, Muslim. I mean, Muslim. Khomeini and the Hezbollahs and all those guys, you know, you would be, you would hear, mad, bad, Amrika, mad, bad, Amrika. Death upon America. I thought Muslims was the um, religion of peace. Man, what are you talking about? That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's funny because, you know, we had Bassem Yosef on a podcast, and he's defending Palestine because his wife's family is from Palestine. Mm -hmm. Now he escaped Egypt because they didn't like what he was saying, and then they kicked him out because he was the most viewed guy on television, forty million viewers a week. Wow. And then we had him on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and him and Adam went at it. Adam's obviously a Jew, who has been to Israel, God knows how many times, and Bassem mm -hmm. Yosef is from you know Egypt his wife's from Palestine so he's defending that argument mm -hmm. but it's so this is the biggest thing that's interesting between the two communities the the muslim community who defends islam islam mm -hmm. they are so what's the word i'm looking for maniacal on correcting you and defending their religion and lack of you know, understanding on why the other person feels that way and believes that way. Mm -hmm. And many of the Israelis, many of the Jews, mm -hmm. or folks that maybe defend them are kind of quiet and they're scared to be a little bit more vocal. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, man, I don't want to fight this fight. You know, I don't want to fight this fight. Now, you know, both sides can make their argument. No one wins the argument with Hamas. You're just not going to win that argument. Even right. if you're a Muslim or you're one of these guys that gays for you know, Palestine or, you know, whatever, all mm -hmm. these guys were, go ahead and be gay in Palestine and see what happens to you. That would be a great case study. Mm -hmm. And you just need a one-way flight. You don't need to buy a round trip because mm -hmm. you'll never see, you know, America ever again. Mm -hmm. But in Iran, man, it was, it was a very uh, a scary type of an environment when you're living there. Mm -hmm. And then eventually my mom, I was turning 12 years old. Uh, I'm 10 at the time. She says to my dad, we can't let him stay here. And so we have to escape. We didn't have a green card to come to America, but we went to Germany. We lived at a refugee camp there for a year and a half in a city called Erlangen. What was that like? It was actually awesome. Yeah? I had a great time. Everybody was poor. Mm -hmm. Nobody had money. Mm -hmm. Everyone's escaping socialism, communism, dictatorship. You're from Poland. You're from Bosnia. You're from Yugoslavia. You're Christian. Yeah, you're yeah. Christian. You're this, you're that. But Everybody is trying to get away. And by the way, at the camp, we also had Muslims escape in Afghanistan. We had people that were, you know, Mus you know Muslims not wanting to be the country that we're a part of. Mm -hmm. And so Czechoslovakians, and at that time, it was a, you know, a, a fast course of learning about everyone's culture, ethnicity, and we have nothing. No one has any money. So there is no posturing. You're right. broke. I'm broke. You're broke. Mm -hmm. Dude, let's just go have dinner together mm -hmm. with broke food. And then they would put the apple juice on the corner. You would go grab it. You'd come in. And uh, it was a great experience. I learned to hustle in Germany. Germany is the first time I learned how to make money on my own because we had no money. Mm -hmm. So I would go out there and I would recycle beer bottles at the local swimming pool. That's how I bought my Super Mario Brothers, Super Nintendo 2 that was coming out. And I brought <laughs> Super Nintendo 2 back to this, you know, camp. And then I dated this girl named Katarina Staff. Her older brother, Jan, was my best friend. So he would play video games, and I would go with this one building, three-story building that they had not finished, and it was a great place to hide and go play. It was a great time, and it was right next to a military base. So we would go and look at the Army base, and it would blow stuff up. It was a fantastic experience, year and a half. But that refugee camp, it was people from all walks of all life. All walks of life. Everything. It, it was great. Yeah. It was, it was a, 
crash course on human nature mm. at an age of 10 to 12. That's, that's why a lot of people get things wrong. They think they take a religion, they just take on the bad, and they don't look at the good. Like, a lot of people say Muslims are, you know, radical, but you had a lot of good experience with Muslims when you were at that refugee camp. Oh, I mean, I had good and bad. I got stabbed mm. by a guy that was Muslim, and one of the guys who was Muslim was my one of my good friends, mm. you know, would hang out. in Iran, same thing. You know, yeah. I, uh, by the way, majority of my experiences with people who are Muslim has been good. Majority, and when I say majority, I mean 90% has been a great experience for me, not in Iran, mm -hmm. but in the U.S. and living in Germany at the refugee camp. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you know, it, it, uh, it doesn't take many to, to hurt the reputation right. of anybody. Right. And um, you speak five languages. I speak Armenian, Assyrian, which is Aramaic, English, uh, 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 Armenian, Assyrian, Farsi. English and a little bit of German. So now, you Aramaic, that, yeah. that's like very old language, right? It is, yeah. So very like difficult to speak, right? Like Passion of the Christ? Yeah. We understood. I didn't need translation or captions. We know exactly what he was saying. How did you learn five languages? My dad is Assyrian, so uh -huh. that's how I learned Assyrian. Yeah. You know, my mom's Armenian, so that's how I learned Armenian. I was born in Iran, so mm -hmm. 10 years I speak Farsi. Mm -hmm. My sister's married to a Persian Baha'i Siamak. Yeah. And U.S., been here, Germany. I lived in Germany for a year and a half. And then in high school, I took German as well. Dude, I still don't know English. <laughs> no, my parents didn't I'm know still English. English. <laughs> That's why I don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we grew up in the South and very poor, and yeah. education wasn't something black people aspired to. They couldn't, really. My parents, like, dropped out of And we were, school. I like to say we were black rednecks because um, my daddy, the way he would say, pronounce certain words, he wouldn't say liquor. He'd say liquor. Liquor. He wouldn't say tomato. He said tomato. Yeah. So I'm going to school and I'm talking to people. And people looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, because we had a heavy accent. He heavy accent. Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting. Five languages, man. That is nuts. Your yeah. brain doesn't ever get scrambled like when you're trying to talk in one language and you switch to the next. Because yeah. I'm trying to learn Spanish. And people are like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> how was how, how the experience learning a new yeah. language? Is, are you enjoying it or is it annoying? I'm enjoying it, but it's like rewiring my brain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like context is like so different between the two languages. It's it's like really weird. You don't really see it or understand it until you try to take on a different language. How that culture and that language sees things differently, let's say from an English culture, is really weird. Like Spanish, everything's divided by female and male. Mm -hmm. You actually yeah. when you reference females, you know it from the how you pronounce the language. Yeah. Same as Assyrian. Mm. Same. Same as Assyrian. Yeah. Like the way you speak it's it's the you know different. I would never be able to learn yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean Assyrian, you know, you're counting to ten. It sounds like I just curse you out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're angry. Yeah. It sounds like you're from another planet. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it is a different planet. Wow. Yeah. Armenian, it's different. Mek erku yerek chors hingvets yot ut inatas. Farsi is yek dose char panchish half hash no da. It's different, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. But it's still, it's the Syrian community is a very small community. There's not that many of them out there. Mm. Armenian is slightly bigger, and then obviously Farsi is much bigger. Yeah, hey, now, he can do it. We can do it too, man. No, I'm just He's motivating me. I'd love to see you guys speak Farsi, man, or Armenian. Yeah. That would We're be probably fitting real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, when we go to the airport, man, we're always going through our extra uh, screening ever yeah. since we grow our beards out. Hey, you've been um, randomly selected. It's like, no, nah, you think I'm with Hamas. I'm uh, Arabic. 
and you think I'm a terrorist. Every time I go to How airport, many people actually think you're uh, uh, you're Arab or Muslim? How many people think that? Um, when they look at us, they, they think we're... Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people know who we are, obviously, but it's yeah. like, why is it we've always been randomly selected? Mm. It's just... It's racism. <laughs> Listen, for 45 years, I try to grow a beard like that. And really? Yeah. From the Middle East, I don't have hair like that. Really? My mm. dad can grow a beard like you guys got. Uh-huh. That gene of hair didn't get passed down to me. Well, you know Steve Harvey, that was a... Uh, <laughs> you heard about Steve Harvey's hair? Yeah. <laughs> you get a piece for your face. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not That's... a bad idea. Go buy a beard. What a different look that would be if I'm with a beard. No, I think I I think if you guys struggle going to the airport, that if I got a beard with the nose and the ears, oh, I'm in trouble. I would be like, stop anywhere. I, at a restaurant, I go to, sir, you got to get out of here. Yeah. Right. Um, that whole process of coming to United States, that took how many years? I got here at 12. November 28, 1990 is when I got here. We lived in Germany a year and a half, and then we came here. So you did it the right way, obviously. Yes. Um, what do you think about what's going on at, at the border right now? You have some context you can share because I don't really understand the ins and outs of coming or trying to migrate to this country legally. Well, I mean, you know, so you got what? Eight and a half million people so far. Mm-hmm. In the history of America, we've never hit 225 in a month. Mm-hmm. We just hit 225 in a month. Mm-hmm. We had more, first time in the history of America where more illegal immigrants came here than babies were born in a month. First time in the wow. history of America, more illegal immigrants come in here than babies being born. Okay, so that's a 50-50 if you look at it. Mm-hmm. Illegal immigrants, Americans being born, all right? And, you know, they're projected to get to 12.099 million by the end of it, Biden's administration. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, different, you, you ask the question, what's the motive? Why are they doing this? Why are they making it, you know, the way it is right now? There's a guy, I don't know if you guys saw the video, when the guy's coming through the border and he's with his family just a couple of days ago, and the, he says, you are not very smart because if you were smart, you would know who I am. Right, and right, if you know who I am, you're going to see what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. This guy's straight up threatening the guy that's recording mm-hmm. him, saying, so You're going to see what I'm going to do to you. What are you going to do, guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And the sense of entitlement, you can say these things oh and still be gosh. allowed to come to the country. Oh, my God. The, mm-hmm. the fact that. So this is, this, is, this is the part where yesterday I'm on the Bill Marshall. We're in LA and I'm having a conversation. Weird day yesterday. We get to LA, we have a couple great meetings. I'm with Bill Maher, and then while we're with Bill Maher, I'm asking him questions. I said, so tell me about what you think about uh, Newsom. I think Newsom's a very good politician. I think he's going to win. Da, da, da. I, he's, he's a winner. I said, he's a winner. Yeah. I said, how do you base a winner? <laughs> I don't know. I like him. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to win. I said, well, I, I base a winner based on data because he said Democrats are more data-driven than Republicans. Mm-hmm. They're more detail-driven than Republicans. I said, perfect. If you're claiming that Democrats are more data-driven, then Republicans, let's talk about the data, okay? If, if we were to rank who is the worst individual in the history of California that hurt the state, mm-hmm. there's a very easy argument to make that Newsom is in the top five, period. He's smooth, he's formidable, very good talker, incredible deflector, mm-hmm. uh, uh, can do spin zone like at the highest, maybe better than anybody in America today. I don't know any better spinner than him. Yeah. I don't know. Biden I, should have hired him as his press secretary. I, oh, I, but 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 I think he is number one draft pick for the left to become a president. Mm-hmm. So then you got you know on the other side when I ask him, tell me about when, you know stats. It's like I don't want to talk about this. Just so he gets upset. Yeah, he knows. He, he brought knows. it up. But <laughs> yeah. top fifty states. Okay, if if you I, I asked uh, Bill. I said Bill, how do you, why is your show so successful? How do you judge it? That's because you're a good. Uh, 
mouthpiece, or how do you judge it? Data, right? Because it's eyeballs. Mm -hmm. It's growing. You get millions of eyeballs. Mm -hmm. If you don't get, so what would happen right now if your show started getting 200 views uh, on every video you did? Right. He says it wouldn't get 200 views. I said, what if it did? What if you, your show, went from millions to 200 views? How would you look at it? That's a failure. Great. Mm -hmm. Since 1851 today, there's only one person in the history of California that three years in a row, their net migration, they lost more people. Top 50 states, 2023, okay? Mm -hmm. Number one in losing the most people is California. They're at the bottom of the worst states in retaining people. Yeah. Right. Florida's number one. I think Texas is two. Uh, Tennessee is three. Worst state in losing people. California, then New York, then Illinois. Data, right? That data tells you what's going on. So mm -hmm. question then becomes, why do they want these illegal immigrants to come here? AOC kind of leaked the strategy, right? And AOC said, you, well, we have a problem right now. We don't have an immigration problem here. We have a documentation problem. Mm -hmm. All we need to do is take these guys and do what? Make them <laughs> yeah, citizens. Right. citizens. Okay. Yeah. But here's what's going to happen. You know, the damage has already been done. Okay. People have already entered your community. There's nothing we can do about that. They're inside here. Okay. And how many people does it take to do a 9-11? 75, mm -hmm. 2,000, 2 million, 18 million, or one? One yeah. person is all it takes to do another 9-11, right? Only, all you need is right. one. So they've already infiltrated. They've already come in. Now, if you look at Biden and you look at Obama, this one's going to be a little bit weird for Republicans to listen to. Mm -hmm. Biden is the greatest. He's the GOAT when it comes down to illegal immigration. There's never been a greater GOAT than him in illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. He's let more people in than anybody else. Now, Obama on the other end, you know what he's the goat in? Yeah. In deportation, deportation. right? Mm -hmm. So how is it? President VP, the VP becomes president. This guy lets in the most immigrants, illegal immigrants. This guy deports the most illegal immigrants. Strategy okay? change. Strategy change, right? But So what do you think is going to happen if a Trump gets elected? I think Trump is going to become the goat of deportation, deportation. Ahead, of, ahead of Obama. And when they try to go and try to talk about all the fences and stuff like that, he's going to say, you guys are delusional. Mm -hmm. Your goat of deportation is Obama. The goat of illegal immigration is Biden. You guys are so confused, you don't even know what you stand for. Yeah. But the reality of it is we got to protect America. This is very dangerous what they're doing. It makes no sense. Nobody in the right mind is going to be like, yeah, listen, i got an extra bedroom. My kids are sleeping in the other room. It's okay. I don't know who you guys are going to sleep in that bedroom. No one in the right mind, left, right, right center is going to do that. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. So for us, yeah, we came here legally. And, uh, you know, then, then this kind of leads to the other conversation, which you can always tell where someone's at when you ask them this question. Here's a question. So let me ask you a question. Somebody comes to America. Who owes who? What do you mean? Who owes who more? Yeah. Does America owe the immigrant more or does the immigrant owe America? That answer will tell you what that person believes in. Right. right. So somebody says, oh, I think America owes the immigrant. No, he doesn't. No, she doesn't. Yeah. No, no, I think the immigrant owes America. Yeah, they do. They do. Of course. Yeah. I owe America. America yeah. doesn't owe me nothing. Yeah. I owe America everything. That mindset. That's has, what JFK said. I forget the statement. I don't want to butcher Do it. more for your, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. don't ask what the country can do for you. You know, ask exactly. what you can do for your country. But that's the concept that we've gotten away from. Right. It's 
you know, no, what can you do for him? And what can, what can the country, we got to do more for our illegal immigrants. No, well, that's don't. what, that's what yeah. Democrats want. They want, they condition our voters to uh, be relying on the government. And that's exactly who's coming into the country. They're playing chess. That's what they want. They're going to change the demographic of this country. That's why they're doing it. They don't care about the safety of this country. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. And they keep saying that's a full white uh, conspiracy theory. Which uh, I mean, it, you just went over the perfect statistic. Sense. More illegals came in than actual Americans born. First yeah. time ever. First time in the history. In the history of America, where more illegal immigrants came than Americans were born. It's a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, you know what's the great thing about data? So here's the great thing about data. Remember last year, 2022, uh, December or November, oh, red wave. It's yeah. going to be red wave. Yeah. What hurt okay. us, you think? Well, I mean, Mitch abortion. McConnell pushed for Roe v. Wade. And they did it a few that's weeks right did, before yeah. midterms. And then... Red wave was gone, and that's why McCarthy got fired. If there is a red wave, no Matt Gates can fire McCarthy. What are we talking about? McCarthy would still be the Speaker of the House, right? Mm -hmm. But watch what happened. You know what America said? Here's what America said. Some 67%, 65% of Americans said, look, man, this abortion stuff you're fighting to take it off, we just don't want it. By the way, 67% doesn't mean only Democrats. Right. Some of those are also Republicans. Right. Why would Republicans say that? Well, maybe they're Republicans that are not Christians. Maybe they're Republicans that have certain different I values. I speak to them. A lot of them are Christians. So, okay, mm -hmm. a lot of them are Christians. And they're like, yeah, in my own family, mm -hmm. close, like I'm talking blood. They're like, look, man, I'm Christian. I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. I kind of don't like they did abortion. I think we should just put the bad issue, regulate it, and move on. I don't know why this is still an issue. No, it's only timeline. The only thing is timeline. Like how many you know, weeks out? Is it 12 weeks? Is it this? Is it heartbeat? Is it that? And then you leave it to the states, and do we make it a federal thing? But, but again, data tells us. Americans want you to not touch this. Mm -hmm. So even a Republican has to sit there and say, dang, you got to pay attention to that. Yeah. The number one data right now, what Americans fear the most, the number one issue is no longer inflation, it's officially immigration. That's not a Republican concern. Right. That's an American concern. Yeah, right. So data cuts right through all the BS that people are giving you. Yeah, who do right. you think is funding these immigrants coming here? Because we see, we all see the caravans coming, but... I don't think these people are actually walking the 2,000 miles to get here. Come on, think about it. 2,000 miles, that's like walking from California to Virginia. That's crazy. They're in shape. It's a lot of steps <laughs> on their Fitbits. I don't believe that. I'm thinking they're on a bus and they're getting dropped off somewhere. So who do you think is doing it? I don't know. People say it's a conspiracy theory, but these people, like when you come in, somebody's got to be funny if they're so poor and they don't have money. It's funny how I see all these immigrants coming. They got the, the, the country's flags on there, but they're wearing Adidas and Nike and yeah. Unarmed yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like, that really burns me up when I see people come here and they still worship the country they're fleeing. It's like if push comes to serve something happened like World War Three, who are they going to be uh, indebted to? Are they going to be indebted to the United States or that country? You know what's the first thing that goes uh, when – uh, a company gets bigger and they have m many resources. Now they got a billion dollars in the bank. You know what's the first thing that goes? When the founder goes away, they're no longer protective of the finances because they didn't build the money $2 billion. Mm -hmm. They're reckless. They're no longer going to get three options on what it's going to cost. For example, how much does it cost to put all these drapes in our 600 offices nationwide? Oh, it's going to be... $9.2 million. Okay, great. Here's $9.2 million. No, they don't say, let's get three options and see what the alternatives get. $9.2 million, what's your material? Da, da, da. What are you guys going to charge? $7.9 what are you going to charge? $6.3 million. Okay, you just saved $2.9 million. When a company now has a lot of cash, the new executives are no longer extra paying attention to the money. Right. They're a little bit more reckless, right? Mm -hmm. So standards drops. 
when when the company gets bigger and now you got five thousand employees, it's no longer I'm staying till six thirty to work. When it's five thousand employees, you're not going to know if I'm leaving at three forty five because I'm no longer clocking in. You're not going to know if I'm coming at eight forty five, not seven thirty like I used to. So the standards is the first thing that goes when something becomes big and powerful in a family. If all of a sudden kids are raised in a family where you know the parents become millionaires and they have a lot of money. Let's just say you got $22 million in the bank and you made it, you sold the business, equity, whatever happened, right? He's like, yeah, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just sleep in it. Don't worry about it. Just do this. Don't worry about it. I just buy this. And he's like, yeah, can you buy this? Yeah, let's buy this. Yeah, let's buy this. Let's buy this. It's like, yeah, they don't value the concept of money. No, you got to earn it. That goes away. Mm-hmm. America, man, I mean, the, 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 the shit show with America is they have lowered the standards and expectations of when somebody comes here, tell me what company you go apply for a job and then the company is sitting there begging you once you're there to, you know, no, you're, you're here. This company's been around. Make the company better. How can you bring value mm-hmm. to it? We have lowered the standards in America so much. That we're like, yeah, anybody can come here. No. Go back to stand. I think one of the things we need to do right off the bat if somebody becomes president is one-year suspension on uh, new immigrants, maybe two years. We don't want any applications. Mm-hmm. Close up the board, deport the, deport the people that came here illegally, all the criminals that did what they did, get out. Mm-hmm. Two years, you're fired. Get out of here. Go find another country, not here. We love you, but go. Let your country take care of that problem. We already have plenty of problems here we're taking care of. Right. You go do your thing. And two years, we're on a hiring freeze. When I got out of the Army, I wanted to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Me too. You did? You yeah. look like a firefighter. Yeah, they wouldn't let me. They won't let you. So I didn't I, make the cut. Is that was that really the reason or no? Yeah, I didn't make the cut. Okay, so I went to Probably become racist. a fire. <laughs> or that I was too handsome. I think because I, I was too handsome. You can't have a firefighter I'll, that's sexy. I'll put them white boys to shame. Yeah, the, the men are going to be worried about their wives. No, yeah. it was just, I went to become a firefighter. And the guy's like, uh, this was in Granada Hills, uh, Chatsworth and Balboa. He says, uh, Devin Shower Balboa. He says, yeah, there's a freeze. How long is the freeze? Five years. What do you mean there's a freeze? Yeah, there's a freeze of firefighters. What do you What do you mean? We're not hiring any firefighters yeah. right now because there's a freeze. By the time they called me to become a firefighter, I was already making $100,000 a year. So I'm like, I'm not interested in that. It was $52,000 a year offer. Yeah. So if we can have a freeze for hiring firefighters yeah. or cops, why don't we do a two-year freeze for new immigrants? You can't. Take, that's racist. Yeah. <laughs> you need I'm more okay voters for Democrats. No, I'm okay. With, we're going to go on yeah. two-year freeze. And the standards you coming in here, bring something to the table. Yeah. So that's what it is. Bring well, something to the it's, table. It's common sense, but it's it's not about common sense. It's about getting Democrat voters in there. Just show the lack of integrity of uh, liberal politicians. All they want is a vote. They could care less about this. Yeah, they, they don't care about that. Hey, we got a damn good episode going on. Hey, before we get to that, hey, over 94% of y'all are watching, but you ain't subscribed. What kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> Did you forget? <laughs> we got a lot of damn good shows coming. Yeah. I mean, famous people. Yeah. I'm not having a bunch of plumbers and... <laughs> Got some real people coming. Well, they real too, but Not ain't. they ain't famous. I got famous people coming on. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications so y'all get notified whenever we got a damn new show coming. These people, they got brains. They know how to subscribe. And Well, the white producers is telling us to say that shit. When you um was playing um Iran, right, why did y'all choose America? Why didn't y'all go to Canada or Europe or Africa? It's a good question. So obviously, Africa. Yeah, yeah I mean, nobody trying to well, go to Africa. Africa was at the top of our list, but then really? they changed their name. No, I'm just you're kidding. Me, you know, 
My parents went thinking Go about get Africa. you a cup of cows and some water, you good, huh? <laughs> no, we didn't think about Africa. At least I don't think they did. But yeah. only oh. people go to Africa for vacation is African. I mean, black people. Yeah. Oh, this is my motherland. Oh, why didn't they get that? They go like, to the safari and look at the animals, man. Yeah, that's the only people go there. That's, 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 that's racially insensitive. Racially <laughs> insensitive. Anybody trying to go look at all that African shit out there? <laughs> have, you, have you guys this, been or no? Hell no. 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 I, you, I heard it's going? beautiful. It's I, beautiful. I, I'm never going. Really? Mm -mm. Why See, wouldn't you? That's a little offensive. No, nah, I've seen a couple of white dudes get eaten by lions. They ain't going there. <laughs> so it's the lions. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. Smart. I like it. Knowing me, I'm going to be on the truck out in the safari. Oh, man, look at the beautiful zebra. Oh, my God, it's a lion. <laughs> you know, no, nah, I'm not going. Literally zero desire to go. I have no desire. Nah. Okay. I mean, why I, should I go see a country where my my ancestors and my ancestors sold me to white people? Yeah, I wouldn't go back there. That's that's my outlook on it. Why would I want to be there? And and I think Africans, black Africans, actually look down on us. Yeah, because we're a weak version of them. Yeah. In what way? We victimize ourselves. Yeah. Like people here in America, they call themselves African American. Go take your black ass to Africa. Call yourself African American. I guarantee you, those Africans will laugh at you. You're not African. Well, nothing means, like, racism doesn't mean anything anymore. African-American, a term doesn't mean anything because they actually think they're African, but their their ethnicity is American. Like, I you, don't think I have a right to call myself African-American because I'm not from Africa. Yeah. Like, you're an American. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to put words in my mouth. What I'm do you an call American. yourself? I'm an American. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my outlook on it. Yeah. I'm an American. I think no. that whole term, um, Patrick, African-Americans, to make black people feel less than. I think that whole term is... is they is, don't want them to forget about racism. Yeah. I think that's why that term was invented. It's to keep black people thinking a certain way. You remember mm -hmm. when Morgan Freeman went on Don Lemon and he told him that he says, "Yeah, why yeah, do man. you have an African uh, uh, a month? I don't, I don't want a, mm -hmm. you know, black American month, whatever." So I don't want that month. Do we have a white American month? Why yeah. we have a black? I don't want that month. Yeah. Right. Take right. take that month away from me. It's kind of like weird. Don Lemon's like, "So look at us. You're successful. I'm successful. Since what are we mm -hmm. worried about racism? We have to stop talking about this." Yeah. It was so awkward that Don didn't know what to say. Right. Right. Um, he didn't expect it. He didn't expect it. Mm -hmm. He didn't expect it. But going back to the uh, question you're asking about why we chose to come to America, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people that leave Iran, they either go to Spain, they either go to Australia, they either go to you know a couple of countries in, in Europe or Canada or U.S. We came to Glendale because Glendale is a lot of Armenians. Oh, and okay. we have a lot of Armenian family in That's Glendale. California? That's California. Because yeah, Cal yeah. there's a Glendale in Arizona as well. Yeah, Glendale, oh, okay. California. Yeah. That's why we came here. And then my dad went to Chicago. His sister lived in Chicago. And he moved from Chicago to L.A., so it was kind of an easy transition because it was first only me, my mom, and my sister living at the refugee camp. That's where my parents got a divorce. Then we came to Glendale, California, and I graduated from Glendale High School. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what kind of job did you land when you first got here? I was 12 years old, so when I was 12, I didn't have a job. But uh, at my first, first job, official job, like W-2 paycheck job, was Hagen does. Hagen I was an incredible... <laughs> you know, banana, banana split guy. I was a rock star at Glendale Galleria. So, so you were a big buff Iranian dude. That's right. <laughs> Up in the banana split. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going from working in Hagen Dodds to owning one percent of the Yankees? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's it's what you call the American dream. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, yeah. I, I I was not a great baseball player. Never played any organized sports. I said, listen, if I can't play it, either I'm gonna buy some of the best baseball right. cards or one day I'm going to be a team owner and then, you know. Now you sold a Wayne Gretzky card for a million bucks? I, I sold two of them. It was a record at the time for 2.2 million bucks. I what? bought it for 540. 18 months later I sold it for 2.2 million. Why'd you sell it? Now here's the crazy thing. Uh -huh. One of the cards I sold 
alone. One card I sold for like $1.4 million. The other one I sold for $800,000. Mm-hmm. The one I sold for $1.4 million, this is where the story gets crazy. Six months later, sold for $3.75 million. Oh, man. So if I would have waited, <laughs> it, yeah. it would have been. I was the market uh, uh, maker. So I right, sold right. it like, holy shit, because I got a call from uh, uh, Bruce McNall. I don't know if you know Bruce McNall. Is. He owned the old... Uh, Hunter's Wagner call, card oh, with okay. Wayne Gretzky, and he used to be a King's owner. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, Pat, we know you own the card. We want to buy the card from you mm-hmm. for seven figures. I'm like, why are these guys calling me to buy the card for seven figures? Mm-hmm. And then I realized Gretzky wanted his own card. Really? He wanted his own card. And then when it went on auction, mm-hmm. and it sold for 2.2. You so was there, right? At 11.30 at night, I'm like, babe, wake up. So what happened, babe? You know those cards just sold for 2.2 million. What, what did you say? Because she was like, why would you buy these cards for $540,000? I said, we're going to make some money on this. Obviously, we forex the money within 18 months. But, yeah, yeah I love baseball cards. But, yeah, no, yeah, that's like my one thing where I'm, you know, some people are crazy NFT or Bitcoin or all this stuff. Right. I am all you about know what? cards. I love baseball. I, me and my brother were huge Atlanta Braves fans. Back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, when they was going to the All the World Series, they made me quit watching baseball. <laughs> Why is that? Because they never won except Every year for they once. would tear my heart out. Yeah. Yeah. TNT, right? Because it was TBS or TNT. It was on TBS. Ted yeah. Turner's yeah. News That's Network. Right. That's every right. game was broadcast on TBS. I would yeah. watch every game. I was yeah. a Super Braves fan. But every year they go to the World Series and it would get swept or they're done. I said, you know what? I got to give this up. Well, I've been it would ruin year. my whole month. I mean, one year they won like 106 games. I remember that. First year. round playoffs, swept. Boom. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Remember the time um, they was going against the Yankees? They was up two to nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Got Yankees swept. swept that Let's ass, play right? a game. Here's yeah. a game. Yeah. Yeah. On the 90 squad, see if you can name 15 players. Braves. Can you 90s. name 15 Braves players? Um, I think I can. Chipper Jones. Okay. Some black guy in right Chipper, field. Um, what, <laughs> Some Angie, black guy What'd you say? Okay, he was a good-looking dude. He was David dating Halle Berry. Yeah, David Justice. David Justice. He was dating Halle Berry, right? He was. Yeah. Triple Jones. Ron Grant. Yeah, so that's Ron two. Grant. Ron Grant. Rick Mailer. Andrew okay. Jones. Um, Andrew Jones, center fielder. Madden. Um, Madden or Maddox? Maddox. Okay, yeah, so that's yeah. Excuse me, Maddox. Uh, Glavin was one of the best. Yes, he was. Tom Smoltz, Glavin. John Smoltz. Smoltz John Smoltz. Yeah. Um, Chuck Tanner. He was there when he sucked. Yeah. Chuck Tanner. He used to be the coach. It was Cox. Cox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else you got? That's nine. Um, you got six more to go. Yeah, uh, come on. I can um, give you a couple. Uh, no, hold on. I'm, I'm going to see if you guys can <laughs> like get Like one this. of the catchers. Sid Breen. Sid Breen, yeah. his first baseman. Okay, yeah. Ten. Yeah, Sid Breen. Remember the big guy? Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy. But no, he, got, he, had, he that's was That's 80s. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. 80s. Yeah, he sucked him when he got <laughs> Who's the guy that came from Colorado to first base? And he was killing it, hitting home runs, left and right. Give me an initial. Andres. Andres Galarraga. Okay. Oh, I oh, forgot about yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. So that's 11th. Yeah. Center fielder, he had like 70, 80 stolen bases. He was one right. of the fastest guys. Oh, yeah, he looked like an old man. <laughs> he looked like he was 100 years old. Nixon? Like, you don't like Kenny Lofton? Or who, uh, Kenny no, his Lofton. name was Nixon. He had this one play. He was 25 years old. I swear to God, he looked like he was 130. <laughs> his name was Nixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember him. Could y'all bring up a picture of him? <laughs> Nixon, uh, Atlanta Braves, old man. <laughs> what, was it? what was his first name? I don't know. I, I can't remember. remember. I'm actually curious now who this guy. Nixon I remember is. players by their last name. Um, who was the catcher? Um, not Bruce Benedict. I think they sucked back when he was a catcher. It was yeah. uh, I Ortiz. His name was Ortiz. Ortiz. Yeah. They had Ortiz. a third baseman, uh, Terry Pendleton. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Terry Pendleton. They had uh, Joe Rocker. You yeah, the, the racist guy. guy. The racist guy. That was <laughs> I remember <laughs> when that all that shit came out. He said on the subway. He was in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. 
And the Mets, called, I think it was the Mets. It was the Mets or yeah. Yankees? He yeah. said all this stuff. He trashed like gays and like minorities. And I remember that night, he was in New York, yeah. and they called him in to close the game. So he would always sprint onto the field with this right. crazy mad dog white supremacist. <laughs> I loved it. Right? And everybody was throwing bottles on the field, throwing yeah. stuff at him. He didn't give him. a shit. He didn't give yeah. a shit. Yeah. Came out there, struck all those yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then he went off again. That's what again. I call white privilege right there. That's white supremacy right there. <laughs> you haven't y'all find it? Oh, my God. Yeah, Nixon. Otis I remember. Nixon. Yes, Otis you're right. Otis Nixon. Yeah, Otis. Otis. That dude was probably 25 right there. <laughs> and he looks like he's 100. <laughs> I remember the Braves got him. He was fast. He didn't bat for a higher average, yeah. but he's always still in bases. He, you remember how he used to get on base? He used to bun his way on base. Yeah, he was like, still two bases. Yeah. So you, you guys like legit, you watch it. By the way, there was yeah. also uh, uh, Kevin Millwood, who was a pitcher. There was a couple mm -hmm. other guys. But they yeah, had smoke. Yes. Fred smoke, McGriff smoke. was there as a first baseman for a few, a couple years. Fred oh, McGriff, yeah. if you remember him. Right. Left-hand batter. Great squad. Yeah, left-hand batter. Mm -hmm. Nice swing. He, had, and he mm -hmm. would always hit like 25, 35 home runs. Mm -hmm. It's a fun team to watch. It just would never win it. They are uh, the Buffalo Bills of baseball. They, they actually did win it they one year. One time, yeah. yeah. It was against the Cleveland Indians, I think. Yeah. Is that the Joey Bell era? Like Carlos Baerga, so. all those guys? Um, I think it was the Indians. Yeah. And Albert they, Bell. That's the only it team the they Cleveland could Indians. be. And they damn near lost that one. Yeah. How the hell do we get to baseball? What is I it? don't know. You, you own that damn Wayne oh, yes. Gretzky card. You know? <laughs> and the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, I said I like baseball cards. That's yeah. right. That's right. Wow, that must feel you own 1% of the New York Yankees. And, um, Did you get any pushback? Because you, um, I'm I'm not sure what. If you're a moderate Republican conservative, I'm not sure what your political leanings. But it, it comes off to me like you lean right. Oh, absolutely. I'm a mm -hmm. I'm a capitalist, uh, uh, or, or you know, center right. Some libertarian views, some conservative views. Mm -hmm. Family wise, hardcore conservative. Where I'm at, it's it's. Mm -hmm. But you know, let me tell you what happened with the Yankees deal. So I'm going through the background check. MLB's doing a background. They're doing check. A, okay, a background check because okay. they won't. They can't let anybody in. Once you're in, then if you want to be majority, they already know who you are. Mm -hmm. But you have to be approved to go in, especially if it's an organization like Yankees. They're not. They're they're the. That's the one that never comes up. So if that comes up, you have a shot at getting it. You want to get it, right? You think that's right? They they bet people who can own companies. I think you have to bet them. I think yeah. I, I I do think you have to bet an organization like that because, you know, uh, uh, there's nothing just like when you hire somebody. If you do a little bit of a background check and certain things you can do, I think you ought to do it. Mm -hmm. This is a higher level, right? So, mm -hmm. but then it comes. I finally call my lawyer. I'm like, listen, man, if this is how it's gonna take. And they don't want me to be an owner because I'm too loud. I don't want to mess with this. Say, Pat, just be patient. Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago, I get a call. They say the Yankees uh, 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 executive team wants to meet you. So I fly out to New York. Mm -hmm. We go to a game. We go to Steinbrenner's uh, uh, chairman suite, which is insane. His suite. Mm -hmm. Insane suite. Mm -hmm. And then he gives a tour. They take us in the field. We go all the way back. And it's boom. You know, they want to meet you. Great. Tony, the CFO, comes, picks me up. And then we go in a room. Lon is sitting to my right. He's the COO. Then Randy Levine is sitting right in front of me. He's their president. Tony sits here, and then uh, uh, Steinbrenner shows up. How? And we're having a conversation, and I said, look, I just want to ask you guys something here. I said, you know, you can't call me and tell me to be quiet with my opinions. I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to get louder and bigger. I'm just getting warmed up right now. Mm -hmm. What concerns do you have with that part? And I said, what do you think we are here? How do you think we made our money? Randy's like, I've campaigned for Trump. I've done, you know how many stuff I've done I get in trouble for? Mm -hmm. We're not worried about that. He says, we have one rule here. I said, what's that? Hal looks at me and says, I'm the boss. 
you don't tell me what to do. I'm the boss. <laughs> Sounds like he's in the mafia too. <laughs> yeah, and, and which I which I I'm good with that. I like yeah. those those yeah. guidelines. And I said I respect that. No problem. Yeah. If you need anything from me, let me know. But uh, you know, I I can respect. I, I don't own majority. I'm not the biggest shareholder. You guys are. This is your organization. I respect it. Yeah. And then it's okay. Let us think about it. We'll get back to you. Two weeks later, close. I'm in Bermuda. I get a call from the lawyer. Got some good news for you. What's that? It's official. You're officially minority. I'm like, oh, my God. It was crazy because we were watching the Yogi Berra. The only documentary my 10-year-old watched that he cried. It's mm-hmm. the only documentary. And by the way, my kids, they're required to watch. Doc. So he's seen every episode of Last Dance, every episode mm-hmm. of Man in the Arena, every episode of Captain Jeter, every episode of you know the Ronaldos, anything, the Kobe Bryant, the Dream Team. Every one of these documentaries he's required to watch. The family's required to watch. The only documentary that made him cry is the Yogi Berra documentary. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen it, yeah. it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal documentary. He's watching it. I go upstairs. I tell him that. It was just it was a magical moment for the family. It was phenomenal. Wow. For me, it's the um, Will Smith movie, Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. I right. cried like 10 times in that movie. Pursuit of Happiness. Will you ever Smith met him? Oh. You ever met the guy? Chris no. Gardner. Yeah, Chris Gardner. So in 2008, when the movie came out, at the company I was a part of, World Financial Transamerica, mm-hmm. they brought him to speak, and I brought him up. And there's a picture of him and I have in 2008, Chris Gardner. Great, great story. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that you'll, you'll typically see him at the airport yeah. in flip-flops and $10,000 suit. Really? <laughs> and by the way, looks money. Yeah. He makes it look good. Now, if I wore a suit and flip-flops, bro, I can't make that. I got Jesus feet. It's going to be Oh, man, you're too hard on yourself. No, no. He can pull it off. And he's just, like, smooth. He bought Michael Jordan's black Ferrari. I don't know if you know this. He bought Michael Jordan's black Ferrari in Chicago because he's a Chicago guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, great story. Yeah. And he's in a movie at the end. You know, when he's walking and Chris mm-hmm. comes by him, it's a very – it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, we need more documentaries, like, especially for black people because they, they think everybody's out to get them and – yeah. I mean, speaking of black people, you interviewed uh, Kobe Bryant yes. before he died. Yes. What was that like? You know what his four-year anniversary is? Today's what? Today's Thursday or Wednesday? Uh, today's, today's Thursday. Thursday. Tomorrow's his four-year anniversary and when he died. Mm. Wow. Tomorrow. You know what? When I found out about that news, we had a comedy show. We was about to go on stage. And I'm on Instagram, scroll, scrolling through Instagram, you know, trying to calm down before the show. I got all kinds of butterflies. Then I see oh that he died, gosh. and then I, I see his helicopter. I was like, I, yeah, it was hard was for me to go posting on Posting videos of the helicopter going down, I was like, is this some kind of sick joke? Yeah. Totally, like, blew my mind. It was, like, put me in such a horrible mood. But Yeah, right before I went on stage, I yeah. found out yeah. about that. No, it was, it was a – I remember we were at Seasons 52, and Jen's like, babe, check your phone, CNN, look at the report. I'm like, nah, babe. There's another one of those things that, you know, when the uh, driver from uh, – uh, 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 what's the um, what's the Fast and the Furious? Oh, he, Walker died. No, it's a fake story. I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe it's, they're pulling the stunt like that. Then ESPN, then Fox, then CBS. And you're like, oh, my God, this is... And then my phone blew up. Did you hear the news? Did you hear the news? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dylan starts getting emotional. He's like, my friend died. Because him and Dylan... When Kobe came to the event, we're in the back. There's this great picture and video of him and I sitting around this big round uh, boardroom table. I'm talking about like... Go six more of these, right, in this mm-hmm. room. And we're in the corner. I'm sitting here. He's over here signing the balls and the memorabilia that we're going to give away. And he starts talking to me. He says, so you get nervous before? Because the interview was in front of uh, 6,200 people. We had uh, him and George Bush at the same event. It was written about, criticized everywhere, but he was good with it. Mm-hmm. And he says, so you get nervous before you do these? I said, no, I'm good. I said, do you? He says, Pat, I played. I said, of course. I said, yeah, we're good. 
And he starts talking to my wife, and he starts talking to Dylan. He spoke to Dylan for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, what? He just talked to the kids. Then this white lady came up, uh, probably in her um, early, uh, she looked really good, but probably late 60s, early 70s. And they hugged each other as if it was his grandma. And they talked mm-hmm. for 15, 20 minutes. You just felt the, not the Mamba mentality, the different hat on. Mm-hmm. I'm just Kobe. Mm-hmm. I'm not Mamba. You just saw how gentle he was. Mm-hmm. You saw a completely different side. Mm-hmm. Fun, gentle, easygoing, loose. And uh, it was going to be exciting to see what its second phase of his life was going to be like. But the world stopped the day Kobe died. The right. entire world, world. There's never been an athlete who died and got killed where the world stopped like him. Roberto Clemente with the plane crash. I mean, obviously, I wasn't around. But when you read about what it was like, the world stopped. Yeah. But with Kobe, China. Europe, you know, South America, us, everywhere, mm-hmm. everyone was blown away. Yeah. Did you hear about the, um, the aftermath? Uh, there were some pictures of their bodies being trying to, they were trying to dispute their, um, where was the apartment that showed up? Yeah, and they took pictures or something like that. I, yeah. I think his wife actually took them to court because oh, she did. They were trying Absolutely. to make it, and she won the lawsuit. I was yeah, like, she why did. would you do that? Yeah, she did. Yeah. She did. I mean, look, there's a, there's a lot of things tied to that story with Kobe. Mm-hmm. Stories about, hey, he was just about to sue something with a pharmaceutical company. He wasn't too happy. There's so many. The pilot was Armenian, by the way, and they're going through the fog. Why'd you take off? Why'd you land that? There's so many different stories. Yeah, it was really dangerous to take that really flight. Really dangerous that day. to take that flight that day. So they actually just flew right into the side of a mountain, yeah. right? And that's yeah. how they lost control. Yeah. But, um, like, he, like, as a, okay, I'm black. He's black. He'd never been the type of black guy that's like, I never saw that, like, victimized himself yeah. or victimized the black community. Like, um, I like, was the biggest LeBron James fan. You when, were or you were? I were. Really? I were. I'm not anymore. Like, when they defeated the Warriors, when they came back, they was down 3-1 to one, they came back. Mm-hmm. There's a picture still on my Instagram, and I was so happy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the things he – because before all that went down, there was – I remember seeing a press conference of um, – um, LeBron, he was making, he was saying some really good things, like like all lives matter, and it it made perfect sense. And then he did an about face, and it's like everything that's coming out of his mouth now is there's some type of agenda, and then a majority of it, I would say, is false. Like there's an actual interview of him sitting down holding a book of Malcolm X, <laughs> and he misrepresented everything that Malcolm X stood for. <laughs> you know, nothing yeah. that comes out of his mouth is is genuine or sincere. Yeah, like Kobe, he was genuine. He was sincere. He wasn't victimizing himself or anybody. He was just a competitor. Yeah. He knew life was about uh, a meritocracy. Nothing's given to you. Yeah. And that's what I liked about him. And he knew, like, several languages like you. He spoke Italian, French, Spanish, exactly. Italian. Very smart. Very but, you know, like, uh, uh, you look at the league today. Last night, Stephen A. Smith. We're having a conversation. We're at Maestro's, and Stephen A. is my kind of a guy. I just like talking to him. And mm-hmm. politically, he's independent. So you can talk to him. He likes <laughs> I don't believe that. By the way, <laughs> you want to know on this podcast who his yeah. first two guests were on this yeah. podcast? Yeah. His first guest was Sean Hannity. His mm-hmm. second guest was Chris Cuomo. You know who his favorite person is that he learns from? Who? Oh. You yeah. ready for this? Hannity? Mark Levin. Really? Well, Mark Levin. He's Mark Levin got me hard. to switch. He is a die-hard Mark Levin fan. Would you have ever guessed it? No would way you, in hell. I, nobody would have guessed it, right? So yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, Stephen A. is a staunch capitalist, but obviously mm-hmm. he's a Democrat. He's not, you know, he's a he's an independent, but he's going to vote more left than he's going to vote for Trump. You know what he said two days ago? So I want to. I don't want to run for office. 
with Howard Stern, but he said, mm -hmm. but I want to debate President Trump because I think I would do this, this, and I'm like, hey. Trump said, would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I asked him, I said, Stephen A. says, man, I didn't think this was going to be that big. I thought right. I was just kind of joking with Howard Stern. Yeah. Uh -huh. He said, I don't want to debate Trump. I just said it. I'm like, I'm just saying it. But yeah, Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I asked him yesterday? Mm -hmm. I, said, I said, so let me ask you a question. Do, do you love today's NBA product versus the NBA product of the past? Mm -hmm. Do you love how Adam Silver manages the players and the league today or the way David Stern did it? Right. And we, this was the conversation about how David Stern managed the league and the players mm -hmm. where he put them in their place versus mm -hmm. the way they manage it today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's purely standards. LeBron today... You know what he, the way he lives his life is meritocracy. Right, he's right? a billionaire. But but not he only that, it. he earned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like LeBron, I don't know if anything was handed to LeBron. LeBron, are you kidding me? He's, this guy's played twenty years in the NBA. You know he's got thirty eight, thirty nine thousand points. I don't know what number he's at. He's about yeah. to cross forty. He'll be the first to play with him and his son in the same league mm -hmm. for that to be taking place. Good father. The rules they have with his wife. You know, his wife doesn't take pictures with any man, okay? She mm. just doesn't. You so know, fans come up. There is none of that. They have these weird things that they follow. Go ahead. You right. were trying to say something. Um, yeah. I find that most black Americans, are they raise their families, they are Republicans. But for some odd reason, when it's time to vote, they always vote Democrat. It's like you're raising your family the right way, a conservative. I would say at the very least you're a moderate or or a Republican, but I don't understand why they run to the the, the ballot box and vote for a Democrat. Well, because I, I don't know if you know the science behind it. Do you know the science behind it or no? There's a scientific uh, uh, answer for that. According to this legendary motivational speaker, he said, if you don't uh, vote for him, you ain't black. His name is Joseph right. Biden. I don't know if you've heard of the scientific. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, I heard he's a great philosopher. Yeah, he's heavy, heavy. He's yeah. like the modern-day Aristotle, Plato, one of those guys. Right. Yeah. Like he, have you guys heard about this guy or no? He's a legend, right? How the did you say that with life. a straight face? <laughs> Can you imagine he says that to Charlemagne the God, and then Charlemagne comes back and says— And it's no pushback. Yeah. But now he's saying, well, you know, I, you know, oh, Joe Biden's always been a terrible candidate and all this other stuff. But going yeah. back to LeBron, here's the point. The way LeBron lives his life, what if he expected others to live his life that way? Yeah. What if you expected, take care of your body, be healthy, mm -hmm. do, you know, if you, if you had the similar disciplines, maybe you would also win, right? Instead, right. he's playing the victim guy. Kobe and Michael were from the same era. Yeah. Kobe and Michael were like, you know, when there was something that happened with black rights or somebody got killed, you know what Jordan, Jordan would do? He would give $5 million to this police foundation of Illinois, and he would give $5 million to NAACP. And everybody would be like, uh, 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 I can't criticize him. Sh yeah. Okay. Right. But he wouldn't do just NAACP or just this. He says, listen, give them five, give them five, leave me alone. Let me mm -hmm. live my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. I support you. Five, mm -hmm. five. I love cops. And yeah. fine, I'm black. I'll give money to you as well. You know what? Back in the day, the NWCP, they had a meaning and purpose. I thought. Now, yeah. Nowadays, I, uh, I don't think It's to keep racism going. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge issue. But I want to change gears. Sure. BlackRock. The World right. Economic Forum. Yeah. I'm, we're pretty ignorant to all this stuff. Hmm. You're the guru. Yeah. When it comes to finances. Yeah. Investing. I mean, just I mean, crash hell. course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about BlackRock? Especially like, okay, Bitcoin. The ETF came out. Yeah, yeah. that's well, really big. They saying BlackRock is an evil company is trying to oppress the world. You own <laughs> nothing, but you'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. So you know when you when you look at these guys, like for example Disney, we're having this conversation about Disney. 
with, you know, Bob Iger, you know, is it his fault? Is it Shapex's fault? You know, he just got a raise to $36 million. They just raised his salary. Yeah. And they doubled the salary. And by the way, you know when they doubled the salary? Joey Diamond? Uh, uh, Bob Iger. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 Diamond, he got a 4% raise. Yeah, he's 36 million. He's 36 million. I I think Bob Iger, they doubled his salary. We can find out what his salary was. If you guys want to pull it up, what Mm -hmm. Bob Iger's salary raise that he just got. Mm -hmm. But they doubled his salary, right? (laughs) They doubled his salary after Disney fired 7,000 employees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Think about that. Yeah. They doubled the salary after Disney did uh, fired uh, 7,000 employees. And they had five back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back flops of movies. Right. right. Okay. Woke movies. Terrible woke movies, right? Mm -hmm. Under his watch. By the way, so Disney, 10 years ago, they're worth $160 billion. 10 years later, they're a $170 billion company. They're pretty much worth the same as they were 10 years ago. They're not growing. With all this inflation, too. Disney grew during COVID because when COVID hit, it was the best thing that happened for Disney because Disney came up with Disney Plus. Everybody's on watching. When you think about it, imagine you fire 7,000 people. Dude, you guys crushed it. Here's a double your salary type of raise. (laughs) And five bad movies back to back. But let's give you a raise anyways. Do you call that white privilege? (laughs) Yeah, you call that. It sure sounds like it. (laughs) But by the way, you asked the question about BlackRock. Do you know the number one institutional money owner, shareholder of Disney? It's Vanguard. I think they own it's like 12%, give or take. And I mm-hmm. think yeah. number two is BlackRock. They own 8%. You, again, you can correct me on this as public info. Third place is uh, uh, State Street, and they own 3.9%. Okay, so these guys own uh, stocks in Disney. Now, there's two guys that own a lot of stock in Disney who are conservatives, and they've been fighting to get on the board, and they've been not getting the spot to get on the board. One of them is uh, the the founder or the chairman of Trion Company. It's another one of these institutions. Tyrant, Trent, Trine, it's some name like that. They are number six of institutional money. I think they got around $3 billion into Disney. And then there's another guy that's there as well that these two, the other guy's worth $4.5 billion. They're trying to go in and say, listen, guys, this is not working out. We can't be doing this. We want to get a spot in the company, and we want to get in, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to give them the board because the last thing they want is, you know, everybody kind of, mm-hmm. you know, exposing what's going on with Disney. But the story with BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street is this institutional money control that they have when they put money into the company, and they got board seats. Guess what? You're not really answering to, you know, to the, the regular shareholder. These guys have more control than the shareholders do. So Mm -hmm. the Larry Fink types that are sitting Mm -hmm. there saying, no, you can't do this. Or, you know, like with Bill Maher yesterday when he said, I had to take one for the team when he took the vaccine. He didn't want to take the vaccine. Bill Maher didn't want to take the vaccine. Who's the team? So, okay, he works for HBO. Well, if you go all the way up, somehow, some way, the person you're taking for the team is the BlackRock, is the State Street, is the Vanguard, is these guys. And... They now have their hands in Hollywood. They have their hands in weapons of mass destruction. I'm talking about, you know, these uh, big five companies that create weapons and sell weapons. And then they have their money in real estate. They have their money in so many different places. But ESG, DEI, CEI, corporate equity index, you know, diversity, equity, inclusive, you know, environmental, social governors, all the stuff that they're bragging about. That's all them. It is, but it's getting exposed and it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a bad idea. Mark Cuban, okay, who is becoming the face of DEI, defending it on Twitter. He keeps going <laughs> back and forth with Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. You know what's the craziest thing about Mark Cuban? So he says, 
there's nothing wrong with DEI. You ought to plan on, you know, doing this with DEI. Do you know The Guardian did a story in 2022? Okay, if you can pull up Mark Cuban, Guardian, whitest team in the NBA. <laughs> he bought the team in 2002. Uh, right. From 2002 till 2022, uh -huh. according to The Guardian, 75% uh, of the time during those 20 seasons, which is 15 out of 20 years, mm -hmm. Dallas Mavericks have been the whitest team in the NBA. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. <laughs> so then you know what he does when he realizes this? He immediately, yes, if I were to ask you, who, give me a profile of who you think he hired as the president of Dallas Mavericks. What, is, what does this person look like? He's got to be black. white. Is a what? White guy? No, to, no. to make up for it no, afterwards. a black guy. A black no. what? A black woman. That's so. Can you pull up? Was it a black woman? Can we? Can we just? These guys are brilliant. Can you? Can you? <laughs> can you look at this? Dallas Mavericks are uh -huh. consistently the whitest in a black league. Why? And it gives us uh, data, right? <laughs> and what date is that? Because he always corrects me and messages me and says that's an old story. Can you zoom in on the date all the way at the top? Go zoom in all the way at the top. You'll see it right there to the top. Uh, uh, do you see it? It's like 20, 2022, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if you see when he owned the team, he bought the team in two thousand and two. So it's exactly 20 years. For 15 out of 20 years, he's been the whitest <laughs> team in a black league. Now go type in Dallas Mavericks president. Just type in Dallas Mavericks president. Dallas, yeah. Mavericks president. Let's see who comes up. Boom. Who is she? That's the president. Like Maxine Waters. That's, that's she's the president. Uh, she's the Boston Celtics' Casey Jones. <laughs> she's the Boston Celtics' coach? Casey yeah. Jones. So yeah. this is where... You know, when somebody says, yeah, we ought to do this with DEI. Bro, you don't even live that in your own life. Right. Yeah. Right. Why are you imposing? So, yeah. so these, these arguments, they're losing so much so with data. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 it's making them look bad. Yeah. Is, is there anything wrong with him winning with a white team? No, he won a championship with a white team. Guess right. what? He's the first guy that brought a championship in how many years? Right. Yeah. He, he beat my Respect. team. He beat Miami. He, he beat, beat LeBron he James. He beat LeBron James. Yeah. But, yeah. but did you see Nowitzki told Dwayne Wade, you guys were wrong for making fun of my cough and all that stuff? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, said yeah. that to yeah, last yeah. week. I thought they I was cool. They came back and beat him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, I remember that, that series. They were celebrating too early. Yeah. They just got they dusted came. from there. Yeah. yeah. They should have killed him, by the way. They should have killed him. That's what I thought, but they couldn't keep that little white boy out of the lane. That uh, <laughs> one game for he Dallas. scored 48 points, and mm -hmm. he was like 24 for 24 in free throws. He was amazing. That one game series. was. Yeah. yeah. He the broke modern, my heart. He was the modern-day uh, Larry I Bird. Said, I already went through this shit with Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that fadeaway. You can't block it. It's yeah. indefensible. Yeah. Those yeah. Boston difference was that Dirk was nice. Larry Bird was a dog. He was a fighter. I heard he some wanted stories. to fight you. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you just type in sometime Larry Bird NBA fights yeah. and just watch him. Yeah. He fought everybody. <laughs> right. He didn't care who you were. He wanted to fight you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know the story of Larry Bird? I think he's raised with two other brothers. Mm -hmm. Father. Um, one day they come home with him and his brother and one of the brothers missing. And the father says, where are you? Where's the other brother? He says, we don't know where he's at. The younger brother then shows up, black eye, bloody face. The dad says, you guys can't go to sleep until you find, until you find out who did this to them, and you beat them up. The kids are like, what are you talking about? He says, you're not coming home until you find who did this to your brother. Mm -hmm. They go to the kid that did it to their brother. <laughs> they beat the kid up. They come back all with face, fight, all that stuff. He says, now you guys can go to sleep. Later on, the story ends tragic. Father owes a lot of debt. I think he was a gambler. Mm -hmm. So one day he calls Larry. And he says, son, moving because he couldn't pay the debt in the city they lived in. Mm -hmm. The father tells his family, his son, he loves him, and then tells Larry, moving forward, 
all the responsibilities on you, grabs the shotgun, boom, kills himself. Wow. Larry steps away from the game. He doesn't want to play basketball ever again. And he's completely devastated, naturally, when this right. happens. Right. A coach calls him and says, hey, you can't do this. Just come and play. He says, I quit basketball. I'll never play basketball again. Anyways, Larry Bird eventually comes back. This coach brings him back in, and he plays the game, and he played it with a rage because of the pain he went through as a boy, the way his father raised him and what he went through, mm -hmm. and nobody knew that. You just knew when you played wow. against this guy, he did not fear you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A white guy from where he was at, and he came at your throat and yeah. talked shit to everybody. Yeah. Larry Bird is one of a kind. That guy was a yeah, um, all Larry great. Legend. I think all great men come from great having great dads, masculine dads. Yeah. And I think like when you don't grow up with a dad, you tend to emulate your your mother. Yeah, and it's like it's so important to have a masculine like, dad. Like I mean you, I uh, mean you was um behaving like angry black women. <laughs> no we didn't. Yeah, we did, man. We were some pussies. <laughs> Cuz I I lost my dad early in my life. Well, and my like, dad actually I lost my dad on my actual 14th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So every birthday I it's from it was a reminder that that's when my dad died. How, how and, was and it? Take it, take it, and I take it a step further. My mom dies twenty years later after my dad, but she dies the day before my birthday. Fucking parents hated us. <laughs> Leadership. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not that's kidding. True, man. And how did dad die? My he, dad. He caught a disease that his work was work related. Didn't get a dollar. Didn't didn't yeah. get a dollar. Um, and but but at the point when he died, it was like it was like a blessing. It was like I'm glad he was suffering over. for days. For he's just you like glad go downhill. You like glad that he's not suffering anymore. But then you you miss him. Yeah, so it was it was, it was uh, um like back to like like I'm sure you had a masculine <laughs> dad. <laughs> I can I can tell by just looking at <laughs> just <laughs> yeah right. But yeah. today's uh like the men in this country. It's like they're being emasculated. They're being feminized. I don't think we can win any war. If push come to shove, say we got in a war with China or or Russia, us like the people we're gonna be sending over there is not the same men and women that, you know, back in World War Two. I mean, the whole country, as far as when you look at a man in our society and how everything how, the nuclear family is just not there anymore. It's like everything is totally changed. Just a bunch of weak men. Yeah. How do you think we change that? Yeah. If it can be changed. It's one thing. Uh, to me, my opinion, it's one thing. It's hero-making machine. So what does hero-making machine mean? When you, when you, whatever you recognize, your kids will pursue. Whatever you recognize, people will pursue. Whatever you highlight and recognize and put on the pedestal, okay, I want to grow up to be like this guy, right? If you, Forbes magazine that was known as the capitalist tool you know, where the son of the original founder takes that company, becomes a billionaire, you know, puts one of the craziest parties together on his 70th birthday party. Every, I think 700 people showed up to his 70th birthday party. He gave everybody a Rolex for their birthday, mm -hmm. wow. for, his, for his birthday. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming to my birthday. Here's a Rolex. What? He was best friends with Elizabeth Taylor. He owned the most, those eggs, the, the Russian eggs. There's a name for it. Uh, uh, I don't know what the names of the, those famous Russian eggs are. $300 million. He owned more Russian eggs than... The Russian government had those eggs, and then eventually he sold it. This guy would probably go around talking about capitalist tool, capitalist tool. Cap Here's my helicopter on the back of it. Capitalist tool. I used the helicopter to grow my businesses. His private jet all the way in the back would say capitalist tool. If you type in capitalist tool, Malcolm Forbes, yeah, Fabergé eggs. He owned the most Fabergé eggs uh, 
Uh, if you type in Fabergé eggs, uh, Forbes, you'll see he owned the most Fabergé egg. Uh, but in everything, his yacht on the back, capitalist tool. Mm-hmm. I'm using this tool to grow my business. Now we can't recognize capitalists as heroes. Yeah. Elon Musk is evil. Yeah, right. yeah, every one of these capitalists are evil, right? So he's an evil guy. Why is he evil? He's just evil, right? Look how rich he is. He must have hurt a lot of people to be rich. <laughs> you can't be worth $300 billion right. and not help other people become rich. It's the only way you're going to be rich. Yeah, like, that's how it, capitalism works. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and work like the guy does yeah. seven days a week, sleeping yeah. at the office, does what it does. So in America, the other day we're doing a podcast. I said, I said how many states recognize the top 25 students every year on a website, and the governor gets up and recognizes the number one seventh grader, eighth grader, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, you know, recognize the grades and what they're doing. And we announce them on a press conference. Hey, great to be here with everybody. I want to recognize the top 25 students on what they did. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to recognize the number one student for seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Let me start off with this. Seventh grade is from such and such county. It's from the great high school of this. We're so proud of her. Here's what I'm hearing from her. I was told her parents are this. She did this and she did that and she got straight A's and did this and makes $500 a month with the side business. Let's give her some love. Second one, pa 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 pa. Recognize. <laughs> We're no longer making hero making. We're making hero making machine. If somebody changes their sex, that's the hero. Yeah. What are we doing? So and then fathers like, you know, recognizing strong fathers. You know, a, a, a strong father is somebody that understands that. Oh my God! You know, well, this person identifies as this, and you know, I I knew when my son told me he sees himself as a girl. So, oh, what a great father! What the? What are we doing? Like that's the part that to me it 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 produces this rage in me. All we have to do, by the way, I think we would change things within three years. If we just change the hero-making machine model of America, what if we recognize a 17-year-old kid who started a business, made $120,000 in high school, mm-hmm. and was able to take care of his mom that he did this, and he's also got a 4.5 GPA? Do yeah. we know that kid? I don't know that kid. Do you know that kid? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this in our states. How about we recognize great fathers whose mother passed away, the wife's mother, the, the kid's mother passed away, his wife. He still takes care of the kids, three of them. And locally, everybody comes together and says, let's recognize this guy. He works two or three jobs and does Uber at night. And at the same time, his kids all have straight A's. How come we don't know these guys? Why are we not turning these guys into heroes? So to me, the moment we change in the insurance company, I'll never forget. I used to, uh, we just came here for one of the events we did for one of our insurance uh, guys, George Palayo. He had a very good event together. Vivek just spoke at his event. Mm -hmm. And he had a bunch of other guys at this event. But when I was changing the comp, compensation of a sales organization, whatever way I incentivized produced good behavior or bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So I used to recognize on the leader's bulletin based on who submitted the most insurance policy. Submitted doesn't mean the policy got approved. Mm-hmm. It's just submitted. Mm-hmm. So, hey, great job to Larry. He submitted $120,000 of insurance this month. Great job. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. Only $20,000 of it would get approved. <laughs> so my, yeah. my method of recognizing it was my fault. I right. was recognizing bad behavior. The moment we flipped, Kevin, mm-hmm. the moment we flipped and we started doing based on approved insurance policies, mm-hmm. when I tell you 60 days, everything changed. Everything changed within 60 days. So we say, I want to recognize John Doe. He placed 
$93,000 of business this month. Phenomenal job, John Doe. Now the other guy that got recognized for one turn said, holy shit, they're no longer talking about me anymore. Yeah, because your business is fake. So yeah. if Americans, governors, presidents had a model of hero-making machine, parents would try harder, kids would try harder, job creators would try harder, Everybody would try harder because we're recognizing a great father, a great mother, a great seventh grader, a great ninth grader. We have a hero-making machine problem in America. Two, three years, like this, we would fix it. It'd be that quick. Well, your mindset it. is based on equality. This country is based on equity. They don't care. Yeah. They just want to see a certain amount of black people in this position. I want to see a gay person in this position. I want to see a transgender in this position. Yeah. It's not a meritocracy. That's why this country's failing. Everybody, everything's been given each and every. You know, it's funny you should say that. Um, me and Keith used to uh, be vacuum cleaners. Vacuum cleaners. I was our first job at high school. Yeah. So vacuum cleaners, door door. Guys, if you did that. Kirby vacuum cleaners. I remember that. A bunch yeah. of guys would do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Kirby vacuum. Wow. Then we went into the military, got out of the military. Then we became, uh, it was when uh, we was insurance salesmen for ugly, uh, what was that insurance? Uh, Aflac. Aflac. How long? How long were you guys Dude, two days I was done. <laughs> 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 two days. This is the job. They they gave me we show up right. I said, yeah, I'm gonna make me some money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they give me this phone book right back in that day. Yeah, what even cell phone phones? book yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm right by a road, uh, you know, a landline, and I said, what do I do? He said, you just call and you start talking. Here's the script, right? So I'm like, hey, do you wanna have insurance? And people was hanging up on me. Yeah. Oh, oh you people. selling that stupid ass duck insurance with the duck? Cause oh man, duck. I had this one white guy. He said, you're black, aren't you? I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> where are you guys? When you do, are you we're in California. 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 Right. We're, we're in California. Yeah. Uh, Southern California. It Orange was uh, Orange County. Okay. It's not like you're in A. Like, you know, everybody yeah. lives in Orange County. Yeah, it's I not wouldn't make it. But nobody likes telemarkers. And a black te telemarker is that? Oh, I'm sure that pushes white people Listen, on the edge. <laughs> Insurance it's is hard. probably the hardest product to sell. And right. more importantly, insurance is probably the number one product that people don't want to talk to you about. Right. Like, right. you know, certain products sell, certain products have to be sold. For example, a Ford Ranger truck or a Ford F-150 or Raptor is sold. Mm -hmm. You sales, don't have to yeah. sell it. Right. It's sold. Sales you come in and say, hey, Ken, I want to buy this, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all want a 250? We got you a 250. The F-250, 6.7 liters, power stroke. 37 inch tires, 20 inch rims. That truck is hung like a horse. 37 inch. Go to officialhawkstoys.com. Anything you buy from the site gets you automatically in the wind. Yeah. No purchase necessary. Boardware prohibited. See official rules for detail. Yeah. You know, beats, you know, you listen to it, which it's you people Sales coming and doing Mm -hmm. But insurance, if insurance salespeople stop selling tomorrow, no American would buy insurance. Right. And you know Do you understand what, what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Right. I totally someone understand. has to come and ask the question and say the following. Keith, can I talk to your wife? I'm concerned about you and your kids. What happens if, God forbid, Keith is driving recklessly? He's selling me. And he passes away. He's selling me. <laughs> can I sign gets, up? She gets emotional. And you're like, yeah. you're really asking that question in front of my wife? Yeah. That's what the job is. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, how much you care about your family? Don't yeah. ask me a stupid <laughs> question like that. And <laughs> then your wife looks at you. Yeah, how much do you love us, baby? Yeah, your wife would turn on your heartbeat. <laughs> 
So I, I had to quit because I was taking it home, being cursed out all day. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I couldn't. It's hard, guys. It's, it's, very it's hard. Listen, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It's very, very hard. But uh, you had a company. Yeah, you um, sold a company. PHP? PHP, yeah. You PHP. sold that company, right? I did, yes. For how much? Uh, it's shy of $300 million. Jesus. And I own 83% of it, yeah. Yeah. Look at him, look at him. Oh, yeah. Look By the way, he's, I, listen, in. he's actually I, blushing right now. <laughs> no, listen, I will, I will tell you. I've made millions, mm-hmm. and then I made tens, but I had never made hundreds. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different experience. You guys have made money. I mean, you guys... I, I'm not going to say the number, what you told me last time on how much merch you guys sell. But you, mm-hmm. For you to be able to give away all the trucks that you give, you make a lot of money. You're not going to give yeah, away right, the, the yeah, stuff yeah. that you guys are making very good money for yeah, yourself. I do all right. Yeah, you do all right. I think it's more than <laughs> yeah, you do yeah. all right. You so guys I, do. I, I'm just getting by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, but, doing, I'm you, hanging in there. Yeah. Life's tough. But that's, but that's the that's the thing about when you're working. You know, you're like, you're building something. You're building something. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, is this thing? And then all of a sudden, one day it hits. You're like. This is real, right? Mm-hmm. This is exciting. Yeah, we, we grew the insurance company from uh, 66 agents to 40,000 agents in 49 states, a few hundred offices. And then today we've licensed 50,000. We grew the profit last year from 22 to 23, shy of 70% growth in profit after wow. we sold uh, of what happened last year, which was an exciting thing to see where the partners are growing as well. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, uh, guys. If you'd have hired us, we'd have ruined your whole company. <laughs> <laughs> you would have done the merge. Yeah, you would have yeah. killed it because that shit would have went out of business. Suck at selling merge. You know, yeah. guy sends me a message today on Manect. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Manect or not the app. So this guy sends me a message on Manect, and he says, "Hey, Patrick, you know, is there any way I can be successful as an insurance agent?" Working nine to five because I have a kid and my wife makes three times as much money as I make. Mm-hmm. Can I be a successful insurance agent selling life insurance working nine to five? I said, who the hell is home from nine to five? The decision makers are home after six. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to sell insurance. Exactly. That's what we learned. Yeah. You got to get past the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, I, said, man, I said, these damn gatekeepers huh? can't get past yeah. them. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, so, so insurance is you sell from six to midnight, that's when you sell. Mm, wow. That's, that's when we sold a lot of vacuum cleaners. When yeah, they, when they People are home from work. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so so, and, and then imagine doing that for you know a couple decades that you're selling and building an insurance company, and then finally wow. somebody comes and saying, "Hey, we kind of want to buy your insurance company." Great, and then that happens. So it was a great feeling when it when it happened. Was it tough selling it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it wasn't. And I'll he, he gave you, the speech. Where's your wife at? Let me talk to him. <laughs> but, but let me tell you why it wasn't tough selling it. Here's what was tough selling it. So one day, we're sitting with our board. I'll never forget this. If the people who are who were at this meeting, you know who you are. We're having our board uh, pre-board uh, meeting dinner at Ocean Air Dallas, mm-hmm. and Ocean Air is a is a good restaurant. They have good food. They have very good food. So we're there talking, and one of these guys said, "But I said, I said listen, I want to go talk to the big investment bankers in New York." And I want to see what the company's valuation is. And this guy says, no one's going to talk to you. Your EBIT is only a couple million a year. Who the hell is going to talk to you? I said, what kind of a guy are you being here on a board? You're one of our board members, and you don't even believe in the company. So we got into it during dinner. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm not saying that, but no one is going to sit with you. I said, listen, your job as a board member is to help give counsel to me and make some introductions. You're a strategic partner. Put me in front of six brokers, investment bankers that specialize in insurance. I want to talk to them. Let's go to New York. One of the guys, Greg, says, Pat, give me a week. Let me get it done. He books me with six investment bankers in New York. Mm. And this is 2018. So we go to New York. 2018, 2019, we go to New York. 
2018, we go to New York. So one or two of the investment bankers sold smaller insurance company, like 10 million to 50 million. And they were very interested in us. The second insurance uh, uh, investment banker sold between 50 to 200 million auto companies. And the third one sold 200 and up, couple billion. They did one of the bigger deals, two and a half billion, three billion. That's what they sold. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, I'm interested in the third. The mm -hmm. third is not interested in me. The first is very interested in me. I'm not interested in the first because you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. So I sat there and I'm like, guys, he says, I said, so what is uh, the valuation on a company like mine right now? I said, well, you know, five times EBITDA is what it looks like because you're an FMO. So if you get five times, that's good. I'm like, five times? I would never sell five times. Who's selling for 15, 20 times? Oh, you're not going to get 15, 20 times. Why not? You're not. I said, but tell me who is. He says, the only way you get 15 plus X is if you are a tech-enabled company that you have your own technology and software. I said, I have all the software that I use. He said, but it's not yours. You're renting from somebody. Or you're paying an annual $50,000 fee or whatever. Mm -hmm. I said, I am, but I'm using them. He says, that's the point. It doesn't mean anything to somebody that buys. We came back after a full day in New York. First thing I did, we had a meeting. We had a bunch of guys in Dallas that came and pitched us uh, to develop a software that we wanted. Mm -hmm. Eventually, one of the companies came. We spent $200,000 for eight weeks. They would sit in our conference room every single day with 500 sticky pads every day, step by step by step. We paid them a couple hundred thousand dollars to just show us the first run on what it would take to build the software. Mm -hmm. Eight weeks later, they give that to us. We paid $200,000 for this thing. Then we came back. We went and shopped it with other companies. One of the guys that we had done business with, we brought him in. They built the uh, software called Bamboo. It took us probably $5 million. Today, we probably spent $10 million on the software, but at the time, it was $5 million that we spent onto the software. And the next thing you know, we went from being a five times EBITDA company mm -hmm. to a 15 times EBITDA company. So then when I met with people that wanted to buy us, they're talking to a tech-enabled insurance company. So the valuation 3 x mm -hmm. and that's when they realize if we buy these guys, we can sell this software and we can use it everywhere. It was a beautiful thing. So, But that's when I realized this is not hard to – we had at, at the peak of it, all the offers combined, we had 17 offers to buy the company, like offer, offer, mm -hmm. sent, 17 offers to buy the company. It was a great experience that we went through over that two-year period. We learned a lot. Mm -hmm. But then eventually one guy came in and says, look, we want to make an offer. And we want this business. We had a five-hour dinner at Casa D'Angelo. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was dealing with another offer. We were talking to Bain and others. And then eventually we're like, yeah, this makes sense. We came back. We accepted the offer. We went through a five-month process. We closed. While I was a one-week vacation in Monaco, we closed in Monaco. They didn't try to lowball you? They couldn't because I said this is the number. Mm -hmm. And they said, let us sit on it. They came back. They said, let's go with it. Great. And then we went through, they kept their word, and classy people, yeah. great people. And he's right now built a company that's hey, a, a massive company. Did they wire the money to your account, or did it give you a check? <laughs> no, they wired. Oh. No, I said, give me a check. I'm going to walk in the bank with this. No, they'll flip out if you go to the bank. They yeah. think you don't know. Yeah. They wire the amount. And when it hits, mm -hmm. your guy calls you, and they're like, hey, we just got a check for this much. Okay, this is real. Yeah. And then we go to the breakfast. My, my wife and I, for three and a half hours, we're like, you know, this is official. She's crying. We're having this great conversation. It was a great conversation we had, but life-changing type of stuff. You know what yeah. got you to that position? I think, uh, what's that saying? Um, strong men are built in um, weak times. Like what you experienced growing up, coming to America, mm -hmm. that's what ultimately made you. Yeah. Well, it had a big part in it. You like, embraced your failures. Yeah. It made you a better person. Yeah, and I, I, we came from absolutely nothing. 
right? Yeah. And I think that's what set us up because just being born in America, it's just so much opportunity. But we both, all of us had the right mindset. I think there's a culture growing within America that the Democrats are pushing, this whole victimization, and people don't understand you are literally worth, worth what you put into life. Yeah, Nothing's, nothing's given. Like Elon Musk, nobody gave him that. He built that from nothing. Yeah, like when I when I mentioned that we lost our father uh, when we was fourteen, but I remember all the things. I he he worked seven days a week, probably worked six hours a day. Yeah, and that was instilled in me. Like all my friends in high school, none of them had a father, but I didn't recognize it at the time. Yeah, all of them went to prison. All yeah. of them still in prison. The majority of them. Yeah, if they get out, they go right back. Maybe a couple months later, only a few of them really made it out. But you still keep in contact with them? Or? I don't talk to them niggas. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hang with them fools when I was in high school. Me I and mean, Keith were like always each other. Who were you guys in high school, by the way? Were you guys the cool guys? Because you told me last lonely. time that you were. We was shy loners. Yeah, you told me that last All time. All we needed we, we, was what each you guys other. Is there pictures of you in high school or no? Is the pictures public or no? Uh, no. Uh, we have a, a public picture of me and Keith when I was when on I was the on. basketball team, but it was junior high. Yeah. I mean, me and Keith were. You was, guys are good looking guys. I mean, you, you, you were well, good looking I guys. I got in high a high school, school a virgin. No, you yeah. didn't. Yeah. Dude, all I was just sitting home busting nuts on myself. <laughs> What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> you know all I needed was the picture of the girl. I didn't need her. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? Me and Keith. Oh, man, you're hot. <laughs> hey, shut up. Hey, you, um, me and Keith was teased a lot. I thought I was ugly. They called me gay. They called us Millie Vanilli because of the eyes. Yeah. And Millie Vanilli was hot back then. I can see there. that. I, yeah. I, I can see yeah. that, that, that. I was happened. very quiet. Yeah. Didn't kiss a girl until I got out of high school. Yeah. But if I wish I had a time machine. The, what I know now, <laughs> oh my God, all those women in trouble. Yeah. But yeah. I'd have banged, banged a couple I'd have banged a couple my teachers. <laughs> Don't you say the most inappropriate things, man? Hey, um, wanna ask, what do you twenty twenty four predictions on the election? Who you think's winning? Okay, so the question is, uh is what is the likelihood of Biden being a candidate? Okay, so that right there changes everything because you know how in sports everything is about matchups and they'll say this team matches up well. These guys don't match up well. Like let's just say one team is a dominant center yeah. and you don't have a center to defend me and I'm going to score 40 points. Yeah. Let's just say Shaq and they didn't have a strong uh, center to defend me. You're screwed. It's all about so matchups. So it's all yeah. about matchups, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, if, if Kobe is going against the guy that, you know, they have a defender to kind of kind of keep him a little less than – you have a good matchup, right? So the matchup, Trump against Biden, Trump's favorite. Mm -hmm. That matchup, Trump is favorite going against Biden. Democrats know it. We've never had a president win with a lower than 39, 37%. It's just never happened, okay? Right. No one's ever won being at that number, and Biden's there today. Democrats are worried whether this guy's going to win or not, and uh, even Obama the other day is talking about the fact that he's worried on what's going to happen here, so... There's a lot of talks of Michelle. Right now, if you go to, can you go to Vegas 2024 presidential odds? This has changed dramatically in the last two, three months. Well, people are making you, bets on it. Huh? They're making bets on it, but this is, the, this is a very interesting number to be thinking about because this thing never lies. If you go 2024 presidential Vegas odds, it'll show you number one right now, one to one. One to one, I think it's Trump. So if you bet uh, 10 grand, you're going to win $10,000 if he wins, right? Mm -hmm. Can you go uh, uh, click on it actually to see? Uh, yeah, if you can go to it. 
Uh, uh, is this the one? I think there's another one. Can you zoom in a little bit so we can see what the odds are? Uh, so 108 to 108. Let me see if I have another one here. Because first place. <laughs> okay, so, okay perfect. If you look at this one here, is this Vegas odds? I think there's another one, guys. Let me try to do this. This is okay. very Vegas presidential uh, well, 2024. Why are you looking it up? I find it so, uh, his um, Trump's comeback story is so miraculous because has anybody been voted out of office and then later come back and beat the person who voted him out? Has that ever happened? I don't know if that's happened, but we've had guys that leave and come back and yeah. won. That's happened before. Uh, so here we go. So Vegas odds, number one is Trump. Mm -hmm. Number two is Biden. But look who's number three today. 11 to 1. 11 to 1 is Michelle Obama. By the way, she was 40 to 1. And she wasn't even in the list. Now you have her third 11 to 1? Yeah. What? And then fourth is Nikki Haley. And look who's fifth. Newsom. Newsom. You don't the, bet against Vegas. So, so you got Newsom and you got RFK and Kamala Harris 40 to 1. Mm -hmm. But Michelle just boom. Mm -hmm. came up. Hillary Clinton was off this on this list. She fell off like a few months ago. Mm -hmm. So meaning Hillary's out. Now you can never count her out, but Democrats don't want Hillary to run because they don't think she's formidable. Mm -hmm. But if Michelle goes in and Kamala and uh, Michelle and Newsom go in, you're talking about that is an insane. That's a dream team. For that's the a dream team for the Democrats. Okay. And the Republicans can act as hard as they want. The nurse and we got you're going against Michelle, which means Obama's going to campaign. You're going against Newsom, which means everybody on that side is going to, he's going to get Hollywood, Fallon, Kemmel. Yeah. You're going to get everybody. Women love Gavin. That's right. They yeah. do. So, so then uh, it, 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 Democrats have to sit there and be like, well, you know, you know, how do we now present this to everybody? So my uh, 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 speculation on this is the way they would sell it is Joe Biden's wife would come out and say, you know how amazing of a grandfather he is. Last night, Joe and I, we've been doing a lot of thinking and reflecting lately. Joe feels he's at the you know, last you know, you know, phase of his life, and he wants to spend more time with his grandkids, and I totally support him. We've been talking. It's been a very hard decision You know what I would say? Make. No shit, lady. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but watch. Right. But you know what America's going to say? America's going to say, what a freaking noble guy. Yeah, yeah. What a noble guy for him to do this, right? right. So that's the position. Democrats are good at playing chess. That's they right. Really are. So now the tough one's going to be Kamala. Mm -hmm. the, you can't replace Kamala with a white guy. Mm -hmm. So Newsom can be president, mm -hmm. and Michelle is a VP. Mm -hmm. If Michelle's a VP, Kamala sits down. They're okay because it's black, black the different. way they do yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Newsom comes in young, and he's been a flag carrier saying all these good things about Biden. So they're going to be like, well— he was always supportive, but who knew that Biden was going to step down and spend time with his grandkids? Mm -hmm. Now Newsom is in. So if Newsom's one, Michelle is two, vice versa, they go against Trump. Who's Trump going to take as a VP? So some are saying Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley's got the Wall Street money, but MAGA doesn't like Nikki Haley no, at all. Nope. Republicans are not fans of Nikki Haley who are Trump Republicans. They're not fans I of her. I told Vivek yesterday if, he's, if he doesn't pick you, I'd be very disappointed in him. They may, but, but you have to ask, if he picks Vivek, what's Vivek going to be doing? Is Vivek stronger working as an AG? Is Vivek stronger having a different job? Because Vivek's not a vice president. Here's what I mean. He's not a vice president. He's a worker. He wants to get stuff done. Vivek's not a guy that wants to just have a title saying, yeah, you know, I went and looked at the place. It's great. We have it right. under control. That's not right. his personality. Yeah, vice president, yeah. So, But if you give Vivek a real heavy-duty job, he'll get the shit done. Mm -hmm. Like right. some real, real job, mm -hmm. which I think he would like that. Mm -hmm. To do that part, so you have to you have to think about matchups. So do they go Tulsi? Do they go 
uh, uh, Stefanik? Do they go? I mean, the lineup is a big lineup of who you can choose from. But for me, I wouldn't choose VP too early yet because yeah. I want to know what their move is going to be. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off a little bit to have better matchups. You don't want to throw off matchups. And you can't play like, oh, Tim Scott would be a great VP. Tim Scott is not a... Uh, uh, he was the most boring guy I ever saw. Every time they would go to him on the debates, mm -hmm. everybody in the audience was yawning and falling asleep. <laughs> he, I'm sure he's a sweet man, comes across as a nice guy. Yeah. I'm sure he's a very smart guy with what yeah. he's done, but you're, you're... It's almost like, like you got to be talent. You, you, to have, if or, that's the matchup, it's the ultimate talent. Yeah. Who the hell is going to go against Michelle and Newsom? So Newsom and Trump, that's okay. That works. I think Trump has a slight edge over Newsom. But whoever the next one is against Michelle, they have to be very intentional and very strategic with this. I, again, that's my opinion. Blacks would flock to the polls to vote to have Michelle Obama. I fully agree with you. Mm -hmm. And then if Michelle's the VP, guess what happens? Michelle can go hide and stay with her husband and have a family because she doesn't want to be in the White House anymore. They have a great life. Yeah. Phenomenal life. Maybe the best life any president's had after they've been a president. <laughs> Think about it. Because yeah. Don't when tell Ken black people that. <laughs> when, when Kennedy was mm. the youngest president or one of the youngest, pres youngest president at mm. the time, he died. He got killed. Yeah. Obama, after he's done being a president, they've had an incredible eight-year life doing whatever they're doing, Hollywood, celebrity, partying with everybody. Mm -hmm. so Who I do you think Trump can choose, though? If they, if the Democrats make that move, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a data guy, so I'm, I'm a guy that wants to create a data score based on 10, 20 different markers and run it down. I wanna, I want a data where I want followership, influence, uh, political expertise. You know, hey, women. I want to do all. How about you? I'm, I'm not born here. Really? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you, but Obama wasn't born here, what? <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> you're, you're a, that's classic. Hey, I'm still waiting for that birth certificate. <laughs> so I, so I got to go to Hawaii, maybe. Maybe I got to go to Hawaii and say, Tulsi, can you give me a birth certificate? But wait a minute. Democrats in some cities like Chicago, they're hiring policemen as they're yeah. non-residents. Yeah. yeah. They're that's not the, citizens. Well, I can be a policeman. Yeah. I can't go be a cop and be a firefighter, <laughs> but there's a difference with the VP side. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting election. So you never got your um, citizenship? Oh, I'm a citizen now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I'm you a you got to be a certain amount of natural. time. You got to be a natural-born citizen to be a really? VP or president. But just, yeah. I don't understand it because this country is built by immigrants. I agree. And, you know, what's his name? Jenk uh, Uger, who I've had on the podcast a couple mm -hmm. times. Politically, we are like this. Yeah, right? I mean, exactly. it just doesn't make any sense. But yeah. we actually have a relationship. <laughs> and we enjoy oh, right. talking to each other. It's right, so right. weird. Yeah. And we'll sit there and we're like, yeah, no, but here, let's agree on this. It's yeah. a very good conversation every time we do it. But Jenk is like, Pat, I'm telling you, I'm officially on the ballot. That means you can one day run for office. I'm like, Jenk, I'm good, man. Let me go build this media business that we're building. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you think Trump's back in office? I I, I lean he I lean told you. I lean towards being super paranoid and prepared. Yeah. I, if, if if I'm on the inside of Trump's camp, and let's just say I'm I'm an advisor, we're hiring five business analysts, mm -hmm. all data, mm -hmm. and I'm bringing them in. These are like three hundred thousand dollar year guys that are brilliant math guys, and I'm saying, listen, do it for your country, right? Mm -hmm. Data analysts say say say. A closet conservative that worked at Google, a closet conservative that worked at NVIDIA or worked at all these MIT guys. Come on in. Let's run the charts. I'm going to do all data. I'm going to say 20 markers, 15 markers, 10 markers. Eliminate this. What happens with this? Who matches up better with this? I'm doing all data matchups is what I'm doing. Then based on I'm going to be like, look, these are the guys we're looking at. Here's the top five. And then every day that ranking is going to change, kind of like what Vegas is changing. Mm -hmm. And then if 
the left can make their move first. I don't think they're going to do it because I think the left is going to wait till the DNC in August to announce that Biden's stepping down. Mm-hmm. That kind of hurts Trump because Trump can't wait till August right. to yeah. pick his VP. Yeah, they can't be letting because I'm looking at Biden. There's no way in hell they're going to let him run for president. Yeah. Did y'all it, see it that that latest? Um, he was uh, holding a speech and it's some shit that came out of that small post. Like, why ain't anybody talking about this? <laughs> On the left, y'all got that video? Well, Biden, I forget what he said. He's talking about women. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that is amazing. I remember they was giving Trump so much flack because he was walking down from his flight. He was gra- grabbing a, a guardrail and he's, he's too old. Because it's wet, they said, look, he's unfit to be in office. But <laughs> you have Biden falling up the steps, falling down the steps, falling on stage, and nobody says Can't anything. He put a sentence together. Yeah. No, he's, guys, and he is done in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. done. They got to look at somebody else. If they. And, and the question becomes, do you think Democrat is the party that they're willing to say, guys, we lost this one. Let's just go to 2028. No. There is no way they're going to get no it. They will never concede. They're formidable opponents. You have to know they're real opponents willing to do anything to win. Because to me, Democrats are about their political party before America. Exactly. Republicans are about America before the political party. Exactly. Right. Very Which is a messed up thing to say, but I just think when, that's, that's why I'm so frustrated with Republicans because you have to hand it to Democrats. They're so superior politicians yeah would i think anything. january 6 happened because the democrats wanted to happen so yeah. a lot of elon musk talk, commented on that and they're like look this guy you know when when uh, the, the the guys that are coming their faces are covered you don't know who they show your face no there's a lot of things like that that we can put weight behind it and say this is what happened here fine let's do that but now you have to make the right play next and focus on the target and you have to be obsessed and maniacal and put everything Every possible option that the enemy is going to play against you, you have to create a solution on how you're going to react to that. Everything has to be considered. That's how dark it is right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I was hoping for some hope, but <laughs> <laughs> no, the f- future looks bright for sure. But there's the-, the video we was talking about. Is that Joe? Now you won't get distracted, and I'm betting come November we will vote on a record numbers. And when we do that, all women, we'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America. <laughs> that is just embarrassing. That is crazy. That is embarrassing. A, a Never undermine the liberal female voter. <laughs> they are a detriment to our society. C- common sense will prevail, though. Yeah. Common sense will prevail. Eventually, the right people are getting noisy. The right people are unifying together. The people that you never thought would, the 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 Musks and the rogue, the weirdest people are sitting around and saying, "No, it's not. We're not going to do Biden." It, it, Rogan can't stand. Like Rogan, the other day talked about Newsom, the fact that he used government tax money to buy himself a house indirectly. Mm-hmm. Like when you say a message like that, mm-hmm. Joe, you're not trying to be friends with that guy. Mm-hmm. You flat out are, you know, publicizing his, you know, dirt on him, right? Mm-hmm. And then if if the Musks and the and the Rogans and, and these libertarians, if they realize the only choice is Trump and them, they're not going to waste a vote and put it to a libertarian party. It'll yeah. be the first time. This will be the first time ever a lot of weird people are going to vote for the right. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. First time ever. Yeah. I know you guys are diehard Biden fans. I don't want to upset you guys, <laughs> but I, I have a feeling. Yeah, something. me and Biden go way back. <laughs> 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 Oh, hey, man. man, this has been a great show. Hey, Patrick, we want to thank you for uh, being our second uh, guest on the show. Yeah. And, um, man, this, this has been an awesome conversation. Yeah. 
Appreciate inspiring you. conversation. You've made me a better man today. Yeah. It actually has. I'm going to go out and try to sell me some life insurance. There you go. We're recruiting. <laughs> I'm going to sell me like... two policies and then I'm going to give it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Anytime, guys. Thank you.